This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, with the UK election days away, Prime Minister Theresa May is talking tough and calling for new approaches for tackling extremism. She's talking about limiting internet access. Physical barriers have been erected on some of London's bridges, though not on London Bridge, where Saturday's attack took place. The Commissioner of London's Metropolitan Police says there will have to be more armed policing on and near the bridges, and that people should be prepared for that. Meanwhile, there's also been talk about internment, which many observers say would make the situation worse. So uh, are we immune from this here? Uh, What about all these ideas? Does anybody really know how to deal with them uh, over in the UK? Uh, The likelihood, according to the threat alert, is high of another attack. We want to hear from you. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And joining me now in studio is Ross McLean, security and terrorism expert. Hi, Ross. How are you? Good to be with you, Libby. So what, what do you make of uh, all these measures or these things that are being talked about? Uh, it's it's interesting. It's a little bit really after the barn door, you know, closing the barn door when the horses are already out, the trouble's already in place. They're trying to look for ways to contain it. But I, my own sense of this, Libby, is I think that the police are basically overwhelmed with dealing with the terrorism efforts over there. The Metropolitan Police look after the area. They're about 30,000 officers strong. That's down about 3,000 officers over the last number of years. And supposedly they're watching and looking after some 23,000 people on the terror watch list that they've had to look at, 3,000 who are really bad. So that those are pretty outstanding numbers for them to have to police the whole city and deal with that level of terrorism surveillance. I, I've seen numbers and, uh, you know, I imagine that a lot of these are some just some kind of speculation that they would need 200,000 people to follow all the people who are potentially dangerous. I don't want to give away secrets and things like that, but I will say this. If you want to do a proper surveillance on someone and you want to do it 24-7 until you have something, you do a right project, it is um, – you're talking about seven people on shift minimum round the clock doing that, minimum doing that. That's very, very expensive, and that's a lot of people. And they also have to be trained on how to do the surveillance and how to do it well. Not everybody knows how to do that. Okay. Uh, what about uh, physical, the physical barriers that have been erected in public places like that? And should we be thinking about doing something like that here? Well, absolutely we should, and we do do it here. As you remember, it was at our Christmas uh, uh, market that we had down in yeah. the distillery district. They all of a sudden, after the Berlin uh, truck attack, they put up some cement barricades around there. We saw in New York where that guy, you know, they're saying it's not terrorism, it's maybe PTSD or mental health in New York, where he went crazy with his car, ran over all the people 
people. The only thing that stopped him was those steel bullards put into the sidewalk at a certain place. His car became impaled on them. And as you mentioned off the top, they've just put in some steel and cement barricades on different bridges in and around London to separate pedestrians from the traffic. So it's going to be harder to do that sort of attack on a bridge where you really can't get away. That's why they pick those bridges to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's interesting. Suddenly uh, what just popped into my head is that separate from all of this, we're having a bike lane discussion. So uh, would bike lanes work as a barrier for that kind of thing? Well, not the bike lanes we have here, I don't think. You need you need big, solid uh, uh, poles in them. I protected a building one time. We had an issue at in Vancouver where they had a, a really bad drug problem, as you know, an opioid problem, where what people would do is they would steal trucks so they could drive them through the uh, front doors of our offices and through the windows so they could take some computer monitors and computers off the desks to go sell them to supply their drugs. And this happened so frequently that we had to install bullards around the front of our uh, industrial units, so we wouldn't have people just driving trucks through it. So, you know, it's it's unfortunate that we're getting that way. You can do it by putting up nice-looking planters, and you hide the bullards in the planters, and there's other different things you can do so it doesn't look so bad. But it's a pretty bad state of affairs if that's what we're looking at. Um, we are going to uh, open the phone lines, and again, uh, curious to know what you make of this latest attack. Do you feel safe here? Have you maybe uh, changed your plans about visiting Europe? One of the things that people are saying, like, you don't stop, uh, that we have to be in solidarity with them. Of course, on the weekend in Manchester, there was uh, the Ariana Grande concert, which was uh, apparently hugely inspirational. I saw the pictures, 50,000 people. Um, it seemed like a really wonderful event. Uh, the numbers, 416 740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm here with security and terrorism expert Ross McLean. And Ross, there's been some talk about internment. On the other hand, there are a lot of people saying that would just make things worse. It will radicalize people and also limit uh, cooperation from the community, which is we need that cooperation to to get a, you know, to get a handle on who's a problem. Yeah, something uh, something seems to be amiss here. Uh, you're right about the, the help with from the community. Apparently, one of the terrorists involved in this uh, London Bridge attack was tossed out of his mosque about two years ago, and someone at that mosque called the police on the 1-800-TERROR line and told them that this guy's got a real problem. We believe he's radicalized. He needs to be looked at. Nothing, obviously, well, nothing happened to stop the guy from uh, doing this attack on, on London Bridge. So there you have the community actually helping and doing something. So they do need help with that. That being said, though, uh, you know, the issue, if you've got 20,000, 23,000 people that you have on your list as having uh, more or less to radicalized ideas, I mean, how do you deal with them? I was looking up earlier uh, the number of Muslims who've been put in jail, if you put them in jail. It, in 2002, there was about 5,000 Muslims in UK jails. Uh, 2015, it was up to over 12,000. And apparently, some of the worst radicalization goes on in jails if, when they go in for jail. That's somehow not surprising. Yeah, it's not. They're actually looking at building new uh, segregated uh, places within the jails at a huge cost with more labor to separate the really um, radicalizing worst ones from getting at the young fish when they come in, as you were. And uh, does that sound like a reasonable approach? 
Well, you've, you've got to get started somewhere by dealing with the people. I think if – look, I, I think the perfect analogy that they have to get to for this is how our society deals with child pornography. It's a precursor offense. So if someone is to download, create, or share child pornography, you're getting charged and you're going to jail. The same thing doesn't happen with terrorism, radicalized terrorism stuff. You can look at beheadings things. You can look at these radical imams with their talks about killing people, the anti-Semitic things. You can share it. You can post it on and nothing happens to you. So I think that the police need to be armed with some decent legislation that will allow them to deal with these people at the precursor level before they commit offenses. And I really think where possible, they've got to be deporting and getting them out of the country rather than trying to house they're them and citizen. hang on to them. Where are they going to deport them to? Well, they're, they're going to have to figure out the laws for that, for what they want to do. They're going to have to figure that out. I mean, if, if it's a citizen of Britain, why would somebody else take a possible terrorist? Yeah, and I mean, they're they're going to have to figure something out. You know, the one. I mean, thing- I would say the one thing is that that uh, the one thing that really gets my goat is that after they know people have been to these places to terror camps, they take them back. That that I think shouldn't happen. But I don't know how you deport somebody who is born and bred in your own country. Yeah, that's the problem. And the UK particularly has that problem because they have generations of Muslims that have been born there. Who are many are who are the best citizens in the world, but they have generations of them there. They have the mosques there, and so yeah, it makes it difficult. But they're going to have to find some way to address this. You just can't turn around and, and hold concerts every other weekend when your people are getting mowed down. And, you know, let me say this. I think that the concert was great. I think, as you said, it was inspirational. It does show unity. But I'm on the side of the people who want to do something about this, where you need rough men standing up at different tough times, dealing with these people and stopping the problem before they kill again. Mm-hmm. Man, I don't, it can be women, too. It can be women, too. To, There's, I know some women who can kick some real butts. So. Well, uh, yeah, you have Theresa May talking tough and the, the commissioner of the Metropolitan Police, also a woman, by the way. Uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Simone in Parkdale. Hi, Simone. Hi there. You, this is what I've been thinking. You know, why, they've got thousands that they're watching, but why not deport them? And um, I don't know how they could deport them. Maybe send them, you know, take a rock and send it to the moon or something. <laughs> get rid of them altogether out of, out of the, off, the world, off the earth. But, uh, you know, a lot of people could be deported. Imams, there should be no, no, uh, um, uh, um, you know, second thought about sending, uh, deporting imams because a lot of them are troublemakers. Uh, I'm not saying all of them, of course, but there are even in Montreal. I mean, they have there have been incidents of uh, you know very extreme anti-Jewish um, rhetoric in mosques. And uh, one, uh, as, as a member of the Jewish community told you, Libby, on your program a while back, uh, the professor had been, uh, assistant professor, professor at York University had been um, let go because he was preaching uh, anti-Jewish rhetoric in his mosque. And, but you've got the, the, the schools and everything, and you've got the imams that go, come and go. Now, one of these terrorists had been to Libya. Why was he allowed back, as you mentioned, uh, uh, Libya, a while, um, a while ago? They well, exactly. That's a that's a that's a question. Why are why are they allowed back? I mean, I know that that sometimes they say, well, 
they're coming back because they're disillusioned with it. But but still, that's well, even, even in our country, Libby, the prime minister has said you're keeping your you can go there, come back and you can keep your citizenship. No problem. Well, the two those have always been on the side of extremism. He's visited extreme mosques and that. And the, what about the moderate mosques? They don't exist as far as he's concerned. And I think that Pierre Trudeau was a far left communist you know, sympathizer. Uh, you can't expect much from the Trudeaus. But, uh, you know, this is what, I, what gets me is we, we fought the Second World War like we fight terrorism today. The Nazis would have won. We're not tough enough with these people. We throw them out of the country. I don't care if you have to take them up in a plane and drop them in the ocean, but get rid of them. Oh, okay, thanks for your call. Okay, That's a you. little extreme. We don't want to drop anyone <laughs> well, in the ocean, but uh, thanks very much for yeah, your call. I'm trying to make a point here. Okay. Okay, thank you. Okay, let's go to uh, Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Yeah, I'm bad. As your, um, your guest has mentioned, that when the difference between um, people for sexual predators, uh, how they're, they're handled, and terrorists and, or possible terrorists. One thing about sexual predators, you know where there's one in your area. So I think names of anybody on the watch list, their names and addresses, so that, like, if there was one living in the condo where I live, I would want to know that. And if I've seen anything suspicious about that particular person, I would say so immediately. Well, ju- just a minute. Let me, let me just check with Ross. I think with sexual predators, they have to have been convicted of something. Not just um, suspected. Am I am I right to to put them on the yeah to be the yeah, list? Yeah, to be uh, yeah convicted if you're going to be considered a dangerous offender well, that sort of thing. But uh, you know to the point, uh, you, it's there's a big discussion about that. Should you know? Should you know? There are I know there's halfway houses that people don't know about across well, this country yes, where yeah. you've got prisoners, yeah. uh, you know, very violent people who are being let out into your community and you don't know about it. You know, there's a question here for the police. And look, when the police do the surveillance on these sort of people, let me give you the example about uh, gangsters and bank robbers. When the cops are working them, they're watching them. They know when they're getting ready to go pull a job and they will pop them just before they go pull a job because they're watching them. They know when they're armed. They know what they're doing with it. But here, here you had a guy who was on the watch list, one of the guys supposedly on a TV documentary, by the way, about jihadists. Right. He, was, he was actually a star of the, of the documentary. Nice. You know. You would think that it should set off an alarm if he goes and uses a credit card to go rent a truck. You would think that would send off an alarm, right? Because uh, they had just told people, the the ISIS magazines have come out, they actually specified the types of trucks you should get, like the one he got for running people over, because it does more damage. That was just out the month before. So... I don't th- like I said I don't think there's enough police to be able to deal with all this. Well, I mean it, w- this was probably a matter of him slipping through the cracks as opposed to I mean I would uh, assume. Now you know what I'll tell you this is what I think. I think that there's a, a, a squad of police officers out there who get a list of names saying, here's a bad guy, here's a bad guy, here's a, we got a warning about this guy. They go, they watch, they interview, they go through the house. There's, there's reports that there was a picture of a document taken out of one of the houses that was raided here that says that this guy's passport was taken before and he was investigated that some photographer saw. Yet to be confirmed, apparently there was a picture of that. So the police are going and they're grading them on a scale of 1 to 10 to how bad they are. But... They can't possibly watch them all. So some people are getting a clearance. Then you don't go back and you don't check on them. And they could continue to radicalize further or do something different. And you don't know until they go off. So I think the police are, I think they're just overwhelmed with this duty. 
Uh, yeah, but and uh, you know there might be a political consequence because uh, Theresa May was involved in cutting some police, but she didn't cut counterterrorism. Well, who's looking after all of these people, though? This is the problem. You know, to some degree, in the city of Toronto, we've had the same discussion about probation. There's, and trust me, there's nobody looking after all these people on probation. There's so many people on probation in this province. Uh, the police don't have time to check on them all, even if they were going 24 hours a day, seven days a week looking at them. They don't have the time. So, uh, is this that is, this police, is the but issue. isn't that probation officers? Isn't that separate? And the police. No, the okay. police also uh, check up on these guys. Okay. Thanks, Bob, for your call. Thanks, Bob. Okay. Uh, Let's go to Joe in St. Catharines. Hello, Joe. Hi, how are you? Fine. How are you? Good, thank you. Well, for the UK, I think it's already too late. Uh, There's too many of them there already, and there's no way of getting rid of them unless you just send them all back home. That's not going to happen. Okay. Thanks for your call. And one other thing? Yep. Possible? The same thing more or less is going to happen here uh, with this Trudeau guy. He's bringing all these imports here. Same thing's going to happen here quite soon. Um, well, we hope not. Thanks for your call, Joe. Bye-bye. Let's go to uh, Keith in Selkirk. Hi, Keith. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, thank you. Um, I just want to say, Ross, I really appreciate your views on all this stuff. Um, I just want to make a comment, and I also have a question for you. Um, there's an old saying that we should learn from other people's mistakes. And um, what we see going on over there in my opinion, is just what we're going to see here, just like Joe had said. Um, I believe that's going to happen here. And my question for you is, how many years do you think we have before we're going to see that kind of thing happening in Canada? Well, I think your, because, obser- because I think your observations are right. You, you, think, you think that we're going to have the situation uh, here? I, I don't. Th- I we mean, we're going to have some incidents, probably. politicians don't have any backbone when it comes to screening these people. And um, I think it's just a matter of time. We think we can just pull a blanket over our head and it's all going to disappear. But those countries are an example to us. This is my opinion. But what do you think, Ross? Yeah, we, we've got one big thing that saves us, and that's called the ocean. They, can, they just cannot walk across or get across. They have to land or we have to invite them here or bring them in as immigrants to be here sort of thing. And, you know, even with the last caller, I have heard people say, and it's not a polite or nice thing to say, but I have heard people say that they think that London and that whole area is basically lost. They do not think it's going to recover. I don't know that that's true. I have not been over there. I don't, I don't believe that. They, they have endured much worse. What, what London and Britain went through in the Second World War, I mean, 40,000 people were killed and, and it only uh, stiffened their resolve. But there's, so. but there's a difference. Let me give you, this is maybe not, maybe not a great metaphor. But this is a living problem that goes on. It's just not a bomb that goes off once that you don't deal with. You know, there used to be in the ancient times, the Persians, when they used to go into villages and they'd take over or go raid kingdoms, what they did sometimes, they would go into the village, they'd take everything from it, and then they would tell their soldiers, don't kill everybody, just blind all the men so that they're going to have to be looked after for the rest of their lives. That'll handicap this, this, this city so they'll never come back and go after us again. So I think there's something to be said about how you manage this as a ongoing problem. I think that I think there's a real concern about that. And as soon as if we get to some sort of critical mass over here that the police aren't able to deal and keep on top of all of the people they need to look after, I think we will start to see these sort of spillover problems. We're not there yet. I'm not sure what that number is going to be. Okay, let's uh, hear from Karen in Dundas. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Actually, it's Dundalk. It's northwest of Orangeville. It's, okay, yeah. sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yes, I watched that concert yesterday. I was 
glued to the TV, actually. And uh, I have a very new respect for Ariana Grande. I had imagined her as just another little diva, but I was, I'm very impressed with her maturity. But I kind of watched with bated breath because it was an open venue, and they, they kept kind of showing aerial views of the whole thing. And I have to say I watched it with my heart in my throat. Um, uh, you know what? I think that might have been the safest place on the planet yesterday yeah, or two probably, days ago. Probably. Yeah. Um, but I'm not sure if um, antagonizing these people is going to help. I mean, yes, I believe that love rules over hate and fear and evil and all that, but I just think to antagonize these people is to just in, infuriate them to you know, retaliate bigger and worse the next time, you know? And uh, that's just how I feel about it. But I I have to hand it to all those kids that were performing, all those people that were performing yesterday. They were genuinely um, empathetic with the families. And uh, even Piers Morgan changed his mind about Ariana Grande. Um, so anyway, that's just that's just my... My thoughts on the matter, I don't think antagonizing them is going to um, scare them away. Okay. You know, antagonizing, I would agree. You don't want to antagonize anybody. You don't want to go out and cause problems anywhere. What you do want to deal with is deal with the behavior, deal with the issue, and deal with the threat. Right. And I don't care what color that person is, what religion they are, what gender they are, whatever. If If they have that sort of threat and they're presenting it, you have to deal with them. And I will tell you, and I, and I am so glad for the innocence of Ariana Grande. I'm so glad for the innocence of those children that look up and do things like that. But I'm going to have to tell you, there are some pretty evil people in this world, and they have to be dealt with. They have to be. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.